welcome to Tipping the Balance. I'm Katie Hickey, your host, and today we hear from Anna Wright. Anna is a close friend of mine. She's an actress and an artist, and she lives by the sea with her young daughter. Anna became a single mother for the first time during the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. In this episode, she shares her experiences and learnings about the varied relationships she has been in throughout her life. This interview is probably my favourite so far throughout the series as Anna is so candid in the way that she talks. There are many laugh out loud moments throughout this interview and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Welcome Anna, welcome to Tipping the Balance. I am so thrilled that you have agreed to be part of the podcast and you are a dear friend to me. And um, I feel like I'm getting emotional. We haven't even. <laughs> you are. You're a dear friend, and you're amazing. And I really admire and respect you. And I'm very grateful for you to make the time to to talk to me today. And um, because I know that you've got a lot going on. Just before we kind of delve into what's going on in your life, it would be lovely if you could. Just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and who you are. Okay, well, uh, it's such an honour to be here. You have no idea. I was so happy when you asked me. And I love your podcast. I just think it's awesome. (laughs) Um, I am an actress. I started acting when I was 10. I also paint oil portraits on commission. I'm also in a, like, duo um I wouldn't say band because there needs to be more than two to be a band right although my daughter's in it but she's not even a year old so we're not a band <laughs> she does play the maraca on our current track once <laughs> we put it on a loop um what else I have I live by the sea in Hastings I have had a catastrophic relationship history just like one one terrible, terrible relationship after another since I was about 17. Um, (laughs) I have interesting mental health. Um, I feel like my inner life has been engaged for a very long time with a, a kind of little monster in the head. And it's been a lifelong I've always been drawn to I don't know psychology philosophy therapy uh spirituality I've I've been down I've just walked down every road trying to find a way to have a balance in my head uh because I have a very strong I think it uh, ego might be the word (laughs) I don't know there's something going on up here (laughs) which isn't comfortable it's just not comfortable and so like the fuel because it's so uncomfortable like I've just been engaged in trying to you know manage that my entire life Mm. yeah wow that is a big introduction (laughs) (laughs) just went straight in there straight straight for the straight for the nitty-gritty but that's what I love about you there's no um, small talk or anything it's just boom straight in I think we discussed kind of before the interview that relationships was was going to be a big theme um, and you just said there that 
you've been in kind of catastrophic relationship one after the other since the age of 17. Um, I mean, now you are the age that you are and you're a mum. Like, do you know why you think that is? Why? Well, uh, yes. Um, I feel like every single relationship in life is is someone everything that's difficult every situation relationship situation that is difficult and that causes discomfort and pain this is for me uh, uh, um, has is someone trying to show me something that trying to show me a mirror and I've just managed to avoid it so well, like so amazingly well, that it had to get insane before I listened. Like it had to go absolutely mental. You know, people are like, is it me? Like, why does he keep, why do I keep finding these men? And it's like, no, it is you. It's <laughs> you, babe. Seriously. I was like, oh gosh, I'm just unlucky. Love. No, I'm not. I don't listen to people. I want to, I prefer to be right than I, that, than free. <laughs> what I mean, like, I don't accept other people's reality if it doesn't match my own. That's why, <laughs> you know, and I have had, yeah, some pretty interesting personalities to, who've been like matched with me, who have like, for example, <laughs> I uh, was married for a very short time to uh, a man called Pedro who um, I met on Christian Connection, funnily enough. Um, my profile said, my f- the first line in my profile was, I am not a Christian. But <laughs> I was raised a communist and Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the same thing, like treat everybody equally, everybody deserves love, etc. Um, and actually, since, since meeting him, I did learn a lot more about Christianity and I'm cool with it now. And... I don't know if I probably would call myself that, but um, at the time, that was how my profile started. I'm not a Christian on Christian Connection. So anyway, why, uh, so, sorry, why did you go to Christian Connection in order to look for love? What prompted you to go there? Because like most people um, download Tinder or Bumble or whatever these apps are. So what, what made you think, I know, I'll go to the church? <laughs> um, I, I, in my head, this is this is just like a, a fantasy in my head. But my head believed that if I met somebody who had who had some kind of spirituality or was practicing some kind of spirituality, then I would have more in common with them than the people that I was generally meeting who were actors. Um, not that no actors have spirituality, but the guys that I was meeting, I just didn't feel like I was getting on the same page. And because because of this like crazy. Uh, brain the crazy brain was so uh, like literally to the point of like hearing voices at night which I have to I get having seizures like physical epileptic like pseudo epileptic seizures at night because this voice just won't go like it was getting starting to get so bad at that point I was like I need someone who's like because because the spiritual side of things was helping me to separate myself from that voice I was looking for someone who was on the same page immediately. Mm. But I mean, does that mean you go to Christian Connection? I I don't know. I was brought up in such a strange uh, 
with such a strange attitude towards Christianity that I kind of went against it and just thought, mm. why not? <laughs> anyway, turns out that you can't just like decide what you're looking for in a person, think you've met it and then marry them. <laughs> who, who knew, Anna? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I met this lovely guy, uh, Pedro, who I married uh, pretty quickly, within a year. We met on the 23rd of May, um, and then we met, we married on the 23rd of May, a year later. And then one year and three months after that, <laughs> he disappeared from my life without breaking up with me, without explaining why, and left me with the house, the flat we were renting um double rent lots of furniture and absolutely no explanation mm-hmm. for her parents I mean from I mean obviously I know you so um, I know that the relationship wasn't all rosy and then one day he just upped and left and actually throughout that relationship you you weren't very well and um, do you want to talk a little bit about what that was like yeah, well, I, I was having these seizures and my mental health was a bit, I don't know. Uh, I was trying to figure out what was going on because uh, when, when the seizures happened, I just used to kind of be like, oh, this is interesting. And I was uh, reading a book called A Course in Miracles at the time and I was doing the daily exercises. Um, Pedro wasn't very... Um, he used to get really upset when I had a seizure, put it that way. And so I used to like try and protect him. And like, I would go and like just seize in other places. So I'd hired a rehearsal room because I was practicing a one woman show and I had a rehearsal room in Trafalgar Square. And I would go there and I'd find myself being kind of so anxious to go home that night in case I had a seizure that I'd just have a seizure for two hours. And that, so I wouldn't get any rehearsal in. And then I'd go home and I'd be like, hey darling. Um, but. There was there was a complete lack of communication. I did think it was Rosie when we were together. It was only afterwards that I, obviously, he something was going on with him, um, and he hadn't shared it with me. So I thought everything was fine, really. So even though you felt like you you couldn't be unwell or kind of show any vulnerability at the time, it, it <laughs> didn't strike you as unusual. No. As- because I had a handsome man, like that was what mattered. Mm. I was going, to a man who said he loved me and stuff. Like I wasn't, I was so naive. Um, I would never expect friendship, and like I was never expecting friendship from a, a, a male partner. Mm. Why? Do you know? It's like a, I don't know. Maybe it was going to an all-girls school and then being banned and something. I, I never kind of. Men were always special and like on a uh, pedestal. And, you know, I remember my mum once saying um, when her friend had divorced her husband at the age of 60, why can't these women keep their man? And that was the kind of attitude that was in my head. Like, it's important for a woman to keep a man. It kind of doesn't matter what the man does. Like, as long as you've got a man and you're keeping them and you're making them happy, then then you're good I can see that that's annoying you a little <laughs> yeah yeah because you can see my face um yeah god that that does annoy me um for many reasons but it also 
it it reminded me of something my dad said to me once when I had broken up with a boyfriend um, and we'd been together for six years and he said um, I mean god I must have been like 26 or something and he said um what's you know what's wrong why can't you just make these relationships work oh my god yeah that's um, it. that's it that's and that's a I I yeah I totally totally get that um but I think that is so dangerous to be told especially if you're in a vulnerable place because then the next boyfriend I had after that I I stuck it out for three years when it was shit it was so bad but in my head I was like if I can't make this work yeah it's me it's over if I can't make this work you know my life my life's over and that is just so damaging but I thought what was interesting about what you said and what your mum said to you and how you felt about you know oh well, I've got I've got a handsome man and I you know don't have xyz expectations when we had that conversation I'm sure you remember this we were sitting around the kitchen table um in Forest Hill and we had that conversation about being a feminist and we we almost had a bit of an argument about it didn't we <laughs> yeah. um and I, well, I got I got quite like I tried to stay really calm. You said, I, I am reeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was on the outside. I was trying to stay really calm, but I was so pissed off. Um, I think I, yeah, I was reeling and it carried that feeling stayed with me for, for a few days. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, for anyone, obviously, only you and I were present at that conversation. But you said that you absolutely didn't identify with being a feminist and Mm. I thought given everything that you had been through I found that really shocking and so we had a very open debate about it um I mean how how do you feel about that now do you still feel the same or do you feel what's so funny is that I remember that conversation too and I remember being so surprised at you for being angry with me for not agreeing with you I was like (laughs) huh and, and you and you, I remember you saying, uh, "I thought you were really, really nice," and it was so innocent. You weren't being mean. You were just so naively being like, "Oh," I, and it it stayed with me that thought. And then recently, I would say my daughter now is eleven months old, and I'd say it was when she was about three and a half months old. I was alone with her in her bedroom um she was sleeping on my chest and I was not able to go to sleep for like the 15th night in a row and because I was trying to put her father's I was trying to figure out how to accommodate her father's wishes and needs um into you know what it's like to have a newborn baby like he wanted to see her at a certain time and you wanted me to zoom call and I'd had to wait to get the grocery shopping and all this and then it suddenly remembered that conversation you and I had and I was suddenly lying there thinking hang on a cotton picking minute I'm lying here sleep deprived to the point of near hallucination single parenting a tiny baby trying to put the needs of a man who literally went to a tantric sex festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant, stayed out of the country for six months until I was eight and a half months pregnant, came back and told me he got another woman pregnant while he was there and started a family with her. I'm putting his needs before my own. 
I was like, wow, that's what it means to not be a feminist. <laughs> that's what all these people are talking about, Anna. They're not burning bras and shouting at men. They're saying, hello, hello, this has to stop. And I, I literally was like, OMG, I'm a feminist. <laughs> Yay. Because I'd always wanted to be, but I just didn't understand how I could. <laughs> no, because I like men a lot. I like men too. I know now. <laughs> but yeah, so I also had needs and, and I made a decision that night which changed everything and I got some sleep. <laughs> yeah, so um <laughs> so let's join the dots. So Pedro was your husband who disappeared. Yes. You were <laughs> you were at this point. So once he disappeared, how was your kind of physical health after he vanished? It was, it, it actually improved a little bit. Yeah, it improved. Um, I put that down to the fact, well, this is the ego thing coming in again. Like I, I put that down to the fact, oh, he made me ill. Mm -hmm. I'm better now, he's gone. And then um, I moved to the sea. I typed England into spareroom.co.uk because I wanted to be a writer and I had enough money to live for six months somewhere extremely cheap. So I literally put a budget of 400 pounds to live alone in spareroom.com and found Hastings. And I lived in this tiny little studio flat and started writing and painting. And um, I've been here three years, it's amazing, I love it. And then I met um, a guy, uh, <laughs> a guy called Jazz, who within six months we got pregnant, uh, which was a miracle in itself, really, to be honest, as I didn't believe that I could get pregnant and I'd been on the coil. But anyway, um, and then he disappeared. Yeah, he, well, he didn't disappear. He went to a tantric sex festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant. Mm. How did he take the news when you said, I'm pregnant? What did he say? Uh, I just want to tell you a little bit before that. When we spoke, spoke on the phone that night and the night I found out I was pregnant, we decided that we were maybe going to break up. Okay. And he just wasn't meeting my expectations, frankly. And <laughs> I wasn't meeting his. <laughs> Uh, and we chatted about potentially breaking up. And as soon as we'd said that and got that out in the open, we were having such a laugh again. We were like, oh, great. Now we can talk like friends. We were going away the following week um, to work on our relationship and see if we wanted to stay together. And then just at the end of that phone call, literally just about to ring off. And I was like, my boobs are still hurting. Gosh, why isn't my period come yet? It's ridiculous. I was like, I did a pregnancy test. I'm not pregnant. Um, he says, well, why don't you do another one? And I was like, well, okay. Because I hadn't had a stick there. So I was on the phone while I weed on my stick. And I literally went, fucking hell. <laughs> and he was like, what, 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 what? I was like, I'm fucking pregnant. <laughs> and he went, woohoo! And I was like, we just decided to break up, you loony. And he was like, this changes everything. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So he literally woohooed. He went woohoo. Yeah. Okay. He loves kids. 
He's got two at the moment within. She's got a sister, my daughter's got a sister who's four months younger than her. <laughs> yeah, there's probably not many people that can say that they've got a sister that's four months younger than them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so, so he woohooed and then how long after that did he decide to go to the Tantric Sex Festival? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I was, yeah, I was 11 weeks pregnant, as I said. Um, I'd had another injury. I, I was doing yoga. I was about, supposed to go on a tour around America as an actor. Uh, I was doing yoga the day that I was preparing to move to Forest Hill for rehearsals. Um, and I fainted when unconscious. When I woke up, I was paralyzed from the waist down. I couldn't, my, my, only for four minutes, which is a relief. Uh, but my hands were, and I was unable to use my hands for about three weeks. And during that period, um, he told me that he'd seen this advert that they were looking for someone to film a Tantra festival. He loves Tantra, can he go? And I was like, well, you know, why? For his own mental health, because he wanted to prepare to be a dad for Yo-Yo. Um, and um, yeah, he decided to go. Um, I was actually okay with it to begin with um, because I believed everything he said, but then my mind got the better of me and told me that he was going to have sex with people. And uh, we communication broke down while he was there. He didn't get in touch much. And when he did, I attacked him on the phone, believing the worst. And then he asked for some space. And then I ended up dumping him. Um, I just didn't think that this was a guy who I was so focused on. Okay, I'm suddenly pregnant unexpectedly. Um, I've got to find a new flat. I've got to decide where to live. I've got to work on my income stream. I've got to do go to therapy like big time because I cannot pass this crap in my head on, no way. So I was like, I have so much to sort out that I just can't. I just, I just didn't have the resources or the tools to manage that. So we broke up uh, by email. I dumped him by email because he'd refused to speak to me. So in my head, I was legitimate. Like, yeah, well, he's refusing to speak to me. So mm -hmm. just, just out of all of that, you decide yeah. to I highlight that you think it's bad that you dumped him by email. I'm sure that most people listening will think, well, you were well within your rights. I mean, of all the things that we could yeah. pick on in that story, dumping him by email seems like the least shocking thing of that whole that whole segment. <laughs> yes, but this is this is like that was where I was in my mind, like. I am completely right to do this. There is absolutely, um, I am completely within my rights. I am right, as I said to you earlier. I am always right, Katie. And that is why I'm ill. And that is why I don't, that lo there's low longevity in my relationships because it's more important for me to be right than actually to see him okay I know this sounds crazy no I'm with you keep going so he so just a quick breakdown of what happened he then went to some more festivals you know we we weren't together he would try and communicate with me a little bit we agreed to co-parent I worked on myself I went to therapy I I 
healed from that. I found a new flat. I was eight and a half months pregnant by the time he got back to England. He'd been to India for a 10-week um, something training festival, um, a tantric thing. And when he came back, we had a very civil conversation. Um, I felt in my heart that I was kind of healed from that. And then I gave uh, oh, I gave birth to Yolanda. You know, he came to the hospital the day that I gave birth. He came to the flat, but then COVID started and as soon as my family left me, he told me that actually while he was away, uh, he'd got someone pregnant and that he's with her and that they are starting a family and that actually she's already six months pregnant. So um, that kind of took away, that was the, you know, the, towards the nights that I had the feminist realization. Then fast forward to last weekend <laughs> um living with the uh, so i asked him to stop seeing her he i had a do a postnatal doula who was my support and he'd he tried to employ her for his new girlfriend which felt very wrong to me and sh sh kind of shook my mental health quite a lot um and he'd asked if his girlfriend could meet my my baby while she was still pregnant which i felt also was inappropriate um I was just not healed. I was not okay. Uh, I was heartbroken, frankly. I was absolutely heartbroken, humiliated, betrayed, uh, not only raising a baby in a lockdown, miles and miles away from my family. You know, it was hard. Hmm. And then last weekend, it, there was a tipping point where keeping him out, shut out, was more painful than the alternative. And it had been painful for a while. I was starting to have seizures again at night. <laughs> bloody seizures that come and just tell me like something's wrong with the way you're thinking. And so I did the work which by, by Byron Katie. I don't know if you've heard of that. So yes. She yeah. asked for, and the, the four questions are, um, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought and who would I be without the thought? So I took the thought, Jazz should not have gone to a tantric sex festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant. I thought that was quite a good thought to start with. Yeah. Is it true? Yes, of course it's true. Can I absolutely know that it is true? Oh! So I'm sitting there like, can I? Can I? Is it absolutely true, really, that he shouldn't have gone? Because he has got another daughter now who he loves. He has really manned up. He's there for her. He's providing her a home. He's tried to be in touch with Yolanda. He's, he's changed his responsibility level to something like astronomical compared to where it was before. He's in love with a woman. You know, should he really not have gone? And also is arguing, he did go. So to just walk around with the thought, he shouldn't have gone, he shouldn't have gone, he shouldn't have gone, which is a description of my mental life for the last however long, is insane, you know? It's like saying the sea should be green, the sea, oh, it is green. The sea should be orange, the sea should be orange. It's crazy, it's not, it's not orange. Stop <laughs> saying that to yourself. It would cause you a lot less suffering. So should, it, can I know that it's true? No, okay, I can't know that it's true. How do I react when I believe that thought? 
when I believed the thought that he shouldn't have gone to a tantra sex festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant uh, and injured, I'll put that in brackets. Um, when I believed that, I shut him out of my, his daughter's life. I have sleepless nights in bed where I, where my daughter is sleeping like a beautiful little angel and I can't sleep. I have seizures. I walk around living in a mental projected fantasy of what should have been, could have been, would have been, instead of living in the moment with my beautiful child in my beautiful life. That I destroy my joy because I believe that thought. Mm. And then I ask myself the question, who would I be without it? <laughs> and oh my God, <laughs> I would be me. I would just be me. I wouldn't be right. I wouldn't be wronged. I wouldn't be a victim of some atrocious crime. I would just be me walking along the road with my daughter who's got a sister. Who's got a sister that I haven't even had to carry or like, you know, pay for, you know? And I've got a man out there who wants to know him, who I really love because you don't cut somebody out of your life unless you love them. And all I wanted was a relationship with him. And I've got that opportunity. It won't be, it won't be a physical one, but it'll probably be one that'll help me grow a hell of a lot more than if I just blocked him out forever. And then the final thing that, of Katie's work is that you turn it round. And so you say the opposite and there's multiple turnarounds. And the first turnaround for me was jazz should have gone to a tantrist festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant. And you know what? That felt so true. It felt so much truer than the first thought. Mm. And then the second thing, the second turnaround was I shouldn't have gone to a tantra festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant. And that, because that in my head, he went to a tantra festival when I was 11 weeks pregnant once. In my head, I was at that festival. I was at that festival watching him from the corners, seeing all the things he was doing to the different people. That's not real. That wasn't what was happening. Mm. And since I shouldn't have gone, I should have, been, I should have just stayed with myself and just been with myself and looked after myself. And actually now I'm super interested in tantra. Like, can you believe this? So I asked him, I asked him, could you like, I don't know, tell me about it. So we were on the phone for an hour the other night and he was explaining, it's basically like Christian band camp. It's like band camp. You just go and have a great time with people on the same page and it's about spiritual connection and you don't have to have sex. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it uh, really changed. Doing that work was like, oh shit. Now I know I can't go back. Like if I don't believe this thought anymore, there are so many things that I'm carrying around that, oh man, it's so annoying not to be right, but it's so freeing to be free. And have you, because as you said at the beginning, you feel as though, you know, most of your adult life has been one bad relationship after another. Have you, <laughs> have you applied the same process to, to each of those relationships? Because obviously, like, if you're carrying a, all of that, kind of anger and everything from each relationship. I just wonder yeah. if you've gone back and done it for each I'm one. Doing it, yeah. 
I'm, I'm in the process of just doing it. And it's not just relationships, it's friendships. Um, it's like all, all the people that trigger me <laughs> that I've always suspected, why are they triggering me so much? It must be something to do with me. No, it's not to do with you, Anna. It's not to do with you, it's to do with them. Actually, I'm now going back and just, I'm asking myself, what is this person teaching me? Because, because it is so uncomfortable it's so uncomfortable to hate. It's so uncomfortable to be right. It's so uncomfortable to, to judge. And, and actually like the thing that I feel so strongly from all of this stuff that I've been like discovering is that a, a thought is only stressful when, you, when actually it's not something you truly believe. It's only stressful if you don't truly believe it. And if you're experiencing stress, it's because you're believe, and this is what Byron Katie says, you're believing something that isn't true for you. And actually what's true for me regarding jazz is that, um, well, this is the family that we have. And how exciting to have, have such a, I've got this huge family now. And those lot, those lot are crazy, man. They've got, they're gonna bring Yolanda so many different things that I couldn't possibly bring her. Like what? Like <laughs> um, Jazz just bought a castle, like went halves on a castle in France, an abandoned chateau in France with dad. He, he wants to do music festivals there. He wants to call it like a happy, happy place. I don't know, the, a happy resort, like a place for, you know, ecstatic dance and that kind of stuff. Um, he is a musician. Um, his girlfriend Shanti is uh, a beautiful woman from Holland. She's uh, got a very interesting background. Her family are Indian, she's got Indian heritage. So there's this whole other like cultural world that Yola's gonna learn about from her sister. It's just like her grandparents are amazing. I, I, we get on with them so well. She's got a whole, a whole other, world to experience that I nearly stole from her because I wanted to be right and because I was jealous yeah which I think is understandable I think that there'd be a lot of people listening um who would think you know if they put themselves in your shoes they might be thinking I I don't think I'd have the resilience to to do the work that you've done and I'm so proud of you for doing that because um, I know, you know, it's 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 not been easy, um, but I feel so happy for you that you have reached this point. But I know that there'll be a lot of people thinking, oh, I couldn't have done that, you know, absolutely, you know, cut him out. But actually, you've you've done. There was no. It's easier, literally. It's not. It's not harder. It's easier. I can't, I couldn't live with that anymore, that, that stress anymore. And like, yeah, I feel like the source of most of my stress is that I haven't been seeing, I haven't been seeing the person in front of me. I remember a conversation with Pedro just before he left where <laughs> he, um, he was getting so frustrated at me because he just, he just wanted he wasn't able to articulate that he was afraid. He was just afraid. 
And I didn't let him articulate that because I was relentlessly giving him all the reasons, like we were in a courtroom, giving him all the reasons why he shouldn't be. And I feel like, I, I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. I don't feel like I had to cut him out at the time. I didn't, I wouldn't go back and change it. I had no choice but to do that for, for my own sanity. I don't, I don't feel like anything has been wrong, but when it becomes too uncomfortable to live with a decision, because it's not true for you, it's not true for your heart, then there's only one thing you can do to make it easier. And, and uh, is ask yourself if it's true. Mm. For me. Yeah, and that's such a powerful tool. Um, it sounds like such an amazing book, which I haven't actually read, but um, I, it sounds like it would help a lot of people who are carrying a lot of anger at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a podcast as well, Byron Katie. Ah, let's yeah. check it out. Love a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Pedro? So he disappeared. What actually? What happened to him? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't spoken. He got in touch with me for a divorce a few years later, and we we are now divorced. But didn't you try to find him for a divorce, and he you couldn't find him? Is that what happened? I, I asked him for a divorce immediately. Uh, on, a, on grounds of um what's the word what's what is it unacceptable behavior or something like that because he'd you know yeah. had told me where he was going um or even broken up with me <laughs> I was gonna write to him and be like hey babe I'm guessing we're still together as you never actually but yeah, it was just it was just passive aggression <laughs> um uh, I, but he wouldn't accept those grounds so I had to wait for three years and then he got in touch with me I don't feel angry at him though, but I feel like uh, I was definitely carrying, I was carrying that anger into my relationship, my relationship with Jazz. And uh, I, I, I believe that I was, I was impossible to communicate with, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you in terms of, yeah, yourself, I mean, you, you, have, you have gone through a lot of self-reflection and of course you've mentioned this kind of need of yours to be right are there any other lessons that you think that you've learned about yourself like, you know maybe going forwards if you met someone else I mean how do you feel about meeting someone else um <laughs> I'm excited to meet someone else uh I'm being set up actually oh so, cool <laughs> so excited <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so silly but I I believe i I, the reason I'm so excited is because I want to practice all my new skills and the only thing that I feel like I need to do is notice when I feel uncomfortable when I feel stressed when my mind is going he shouldn't have done this they shouldn't have done that he should be like that it's time for me to do my work it's time for me to go and sit with my pen and paper and do my judge my neighbor worksheet um, which is uh, a Byron Katie tool and just sit there because every time it, it just lets you see the other person. It just lets you see them. And, and what's great about it is that you can get your ego out. You'd be as petty, you'd be as um, kind of shallow and judgmental and aggressive and evil as you want on your worksheet. You just write it all out. And then you go back over it and you ask the questions and it's beautiful because the ego gets heard 
And it's just just a scared child, just a scared little child who hasn't been given permission to say all those nasty things because it's socially unacceptable to say those nasty things. And so it stays in your head. You've got to write it all out, say all the horrible things, all of them, and then listen to that and then ask the questions and then find out what's really true for, for me. And usually it's, I love this person and I just want to, I just want to sit down and have a nice talk. Like that's usually what's underneath everything. And to, to know that logically isn't the same as experiencing it, like sitting in this kind of meditative way and writing it down and experiencing it. So I'm excited about having a relationship so I can do that and just like cleanse my mind of all the crap I've been carrying. Because <laughs> mm. you, you mentioned at the beginning about having like a little monster inside your yeah. head. Is that the same, do you think, as this the small child? child? Is that the yeah. same? Where, yeah. do you, where do you think that comes from? Is that something, you know, did you feel unheard in your childhood? Or is, you know, what? how are you, how's your relationship with this little person inside you? Well, I'm working on it. I'm working on that relationship with her because this one of my other worksheets was like about my mom because you always you know moms and dads <laughs> um <laughs> and since becoming a mom obviously I've learned a lot about like people just being humans and oh my gosh this is hard um and writing I remember writing down mom should be my mom should be a good mother to me and actually when I turned that statement around at the end of that worksheet it was I should be a good mother to mom and I should be a good mommy to me and actually I have been a shit mommy to me uh, for a lot of my life I have just kind of shut up that voice and not allowed expression because I only wanted it to be happy and it was only acceptable if it was socially acceptable and happy but it's she she has she have to hit everything that's a real person and um so I'm being a good mommy to her and because I'm being a good mom to me I'm I know I'm being a good mom to my daughter I know I am and yeah that voice I I feel like I was so scared of it my whole life and I was so it made me so ill, but actually it's been, it's my biggest teacher, even bigger than the men I've been out with because she comes and visits me every single night. Like she speaks to me every night and, and it's can be really scary and stressful. And now I know she just wants attention. <laughs> she just needs it. That's all. And then when you don't get attention in the nice way, then you act out and you're, you're mean, you throw things. That's all she's doing. <laughs> And is that linked to your physical health with the seizures, do you think? Is yeah, that... I really feel like it is, yeah. It's checked. My, my I haven't had a seizure for a, a quite a long time now. Maybe six months, which is a long time for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm just like trying to shut her up. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, I will make your legs and arms jerk uncontrollably. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? <laughs> it's like I'm actually quite proud of how unbelievably strong my ego has been like no I will not listen <laughs> like I've had to literally have 
a form of epilepsy <laughs> and have like become a single parent <laughs> in order to be like, oh, okay. Wow. I mean, that takes a lot of strength. So you might think that your inner child is super strong and persistent, but you two together are like this powerhouse (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, because you've you've really been through a lot. And I single parenting is, I mean, parenting full stop is not a walk in the park, even for people who have a lot of support like I have found it really hard and I have support so and I know that single parenting I mean you are an a literal superhero it is I just almost don't have words for it it's just you never get a break and the 100% of the responsibility falls on you um especially kind of coming into parenting with the background, you know, all of that shit with jazz and all of that kind of whirling around in your head. It must feel like a huge relief to feel as though you're, you can let go of that. It definitely does. Yeah, it definitely does. It feels like that was the way, that was the way. You to suffer so much, they just, you have to stop have to do something differently we did do the meeting with jazz so jazz came down with his girlfriend and yolanda's sister and we did the meeting was that that was just last weekend or oh, no weekend yeah. before yeah yeah the weekend before last yeah and um how were you feeling like you know you knew they were going to be arriving any minute what was going through your mind i swear i thought i was on a first date i felt like i was on a first date i was walking down the road with yolanda on me on the carrier and I was like looking out for them. I knew we were going to meet soon because they were walking towards me and I was walking towards them. I couldn't see them. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It was so weird. I did not expect to feel like that. And yeah, it was just nice. And what did you talk about? <laughs> Everything but the situation for the first like hour. And then we just talked about, you know, babies and life by the sea. And then Shanti actually said, this could have been really awkward, couldn't it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of unexpected feelings and stuff as well. Um, really surprising, really surprising thoughts. Oh my gosh. And like I was what? like, bring about, like, like, okay, so <laughs> I thought, why are you with my boyfriend? Which surprised the hell out of me because I thought I was, I was cool with that. So I did a worksheet on that. Realized that he's not my boyfriend and also he's he's her boyfriend (laughs) and has actually been with her for longer than he was with me and also that I want gosh what is it that my idea I've never been able to be friends with guys it's I've been there being my boyfriend or they're not and this is my opportunity to develop a, a genuine a genuine relationship with both of them yeah what's that going to look like I do not know. Well, lockdown is not helping much and they don't live near here. So uh, he sometimes gets work down here. So he's going to, whenever he gets work, they'll come. Um, but I'm hoping that lockdown will end soon and then I can invite um, Yola's other grandparents to me. 
and just start expanding the family really mm. playing in the hopefully mm. learning to win stuff that'd be good she's not even one yet though so I'm kind of getting ahead of myself <laughs> <laughs> and do you plan to stay in Hastings yes of course it's perfect here it is very it's nice perfect yeah is that how you feel about Devon Ooh, that's a con- <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a controversial question at the moment okay um yeah we've given a lot of thought to it and I think we're currently in a situation where we feel like being in Devon is the right thing for us as a family in terms of just thinking as our kind of little nuclear family but we feel quite a lot of pressure not and I will add that pressure is not put upon us but it's maybe I'm putting that pressure on Uh myself um just thinking about being closer to to grandparents Mm. um, and my my parents are not in tip-top health and they're both quite depressed at the moment but I think it's compounded obviously by lockdown yeah um but just feeling as though I want to be able to be there for them and it's really good for them to spend time with the grandchildren it really lifts them um Mm. so uh it's a question that's weighing quite heavy on me at the moment (laughs) it's difficult I mean one of our friends who lost his mum you know just a couple of years ago and we didn't we haven't had a proper talk about it but we were just texting and he said Devon will always be there which you know I can't of course he's right and I can't really get that out of my head it's just since we've moved here I think you know from for my own kind of mental health I do like the freedom and space down here yeah, whereas yeah. when we're in London it feels quite trapped yeah and if you're not if you're not okay you can't you can't everybody else isn't okay you know mm. I, that's what I found with Yolanda if I'm not if I if my mental health isn't good then I, I can't look after her mm. as I want to I can look after her but not as I want to mm. it's such a hard dilemma it's just I always try to think of like how will I reflect on this you know I just keep thinking about losing one of my parents and thinking what I would be feeling um or if they get unwell and need care then Fred's the same with his mum you know we we don't really want them to have to go into a home or anything like that unless of course of course there are some instances where people do need 24-hour kind of professional care rather than just being cared for by a relative but um we'd like to be there for our parents but um if we are so far away that would be impossible gone into my head now instead of (laughs) into Anna (laughs) I think you're just at the point of waiting to see what the future brings yeah yeah and and I think it is really exciting that your daughter is going to have a kind of rich and full life because she will have lots of extended family that will be a part of her life and what a great gift you've given her by embracing that and bringing them in 
Like it's only it's only got to be good for her. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, I think it's, so too. Yeah. It's so it's so much nicer to it's so much nicer not to live with that hatred anymore. That or that Yeah, because I I remember when during your pregnancy when things were difficult with jazz and it got difficult with his mum as well because obviously she she wanted to be a part of your life and to meet her granddaughter but it was really hard for you emotionally and you had to kind of tell her to give you space so it must also feel relief she must feel so relieved and you must feel relieved as well to be able to mend that relationship I rang her up uh, last week we spoke on the phone for quite a long time and she um she said that my because my text message to her had said and I meant it if you respect me and Yolanda in any way you have to give us this time you will have a relationship with her but I need to heal and I'd asked them for a year I asked everybody for a year and then Jazz wasn't able to give me any time so I told him in the end I just said I'm taking a year and look I've I've pre- I've gone early. So that was seven months ago. It's not bad. It's pretty quick. It's exceptionally fast. Some people would hold (laughs) on. Some people would hold on to that resentment and anger until their grave. So seven months. I'm really proud of you. Thank you, Katie. You know, you see that, you see people holding on to resentment and anger. I mean, I can think of even situations that I hold on to. Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Do you know, for some reason, I tell you something ridiculous that I hold on to, which maybe I need to do the work, (laughs) get some worksheets. My, my ex, when we broke up, I had all my belongings in our house, but it was in New Zealand. So I had to hire like a removal company to come and take my things. And when I got my things, so much of my stuff was missing. And it doesn't, (laughs) it it doesn't come up on a daily basis, because that would sound pathetic. But it comes into my mind quite often about like I had a camera and um, this really nice bag two things that were gifted to me by other people and I always think of messaging him and saying did you take my camera did you take my bag (laughs) (laughs) Um, or like or messaging him being like um, you know think of the life you could have had if you weren't such a dick (laughs) or something like (laughs) do you want to do a worksheet I sh- I'm gonna get the book I mean I didn't I've got one here we can do it right now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> should I do it <laughs> not ready to let go of it yet <laughs> I'm ready I don't don't think I'm not ready to do the work I just I don't think anyone wants to listen to me my... <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants to listen to my inner child coming out saying you took my camera <laughs> It's beautiful when you get a chance to do it. It's really beautiful. Because like the first sentence would be, I am, I am disgusted with so-and-so because he stole my camera. Yeah. And then say, so-and-so should not have stolen my camera. Is it true? Yeah, well, I don't know that he did steal it. So that's the first disclaimer. I just know that I don't have it. <laughs> 
but it could be it could have been um a complete genuine mistake um, <laughs> i know that because it could it could have been a genuine mistake because well first of all i didn't trust him to separate our things i had to send a friend in there to do it for me um because i wasn't in the country so that's a big responsibility to put on <laughs> a friend and she doesn't know what's what's mine i mean basically everything was mine um but <laughs> Yeah, so I, a, a, an easy kind of... So one syllable answer to the question, is it true? He shouldn't have stole my camera would be... It's not true, no. No. And then the second question is, how do I react when I believe the thought? He shouldn't have stole my camera. I get, I get really angry. <laughs> yeah. You, how many years has it been since... Since, the, ca since the camera went missing. Since the <laughs> how many years... Okay, so Fred and I have been together for five years. So it would be about five and a half, five and a half years. Okay, so when I believe the thought he shouldn't have stole my camera, I carry, carry it in my head and I feel anger for five and a half years. Well, <laughs> how else do you react when you believe that thought? Do you feel like self-righteous, like you're right? Yeah, I feel, yeah. Indig I feel indignant and I feel like, I think I tell myself after everything that I gave him, all the, <laughs> all, the all the opportunities that I gave him for a better life and he threw it in my face. And not only did he throw it in my face, he <laughs> stole my camera. Okay, wow. So there's a lot of other stuff underneath the camera. And what about the, Im what images do you see? Do you see a movie in your head at all? When you think about that thought, he shouldn't have stole my camera. I just, I'm back in our flat, our old flat. Yeah. And I see like the cupboard where it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh God. Even though in Devon. Do I need therapy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the worksheet. It's so good. And then you say, who am I without the thought he shouldn't have stole my camera? I'm a happier, better person carrying. How do you feel looking at that image of where the camera was in your flat? If you don't have the thought he shouldn't have stole my camera. Well, I still feel sad that I don't have it. <laughs> you just feel sad, yeah? Yeah. You allow yourself to feel sad that you don't have the camera? I think that's it, isn't it? You are allowed to feel sad that you don't, that I don't, I'm allowed to feel sad that I don't have it, but I don't have to put the blame on him. And then the last thing you do is you turn it around. So you could say, he, he should have stolen my camera. Really? Which, which could work. It might not. No. Well, no, I don't think, why should he have stolen it? so there must have been something saying that he should right I mean he did it well we don't know that he did it all oh, I know yeah. is that I didn't have my camera <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so how about the turnaround I shouldn't have stolen my camera I'm not sure that it works or would the turnaround be I should have given better instructions if there were key items that have immense importance to me that I should have made it clearer yeah. to my friend. But in which case you did steal your camera because you didn't give clear instructions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks Anna. Situation where the camera, <laughs> but it's fun. Like, you know, there's no point not enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy what our minds do. 
it is I feel like your mind can lock you in a prison and that's mm. it you, you're locked I could although you know my life now is is full and busy and I have plenty of other things to occupy my thoughts do you have a camera no I don't have my own camera. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just typical I mean again like I that I was about to say something really pathetic I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it anyway because we're friends. Um, Fred has a camera which I bought him. <laughs> I can see where this is going. <laughs> Why didn't I buy myself the camera? I am worthy of a camera. Why didn't I buy myself a camera? But then actually, you know, I bought Fred a camera, and I sometimes use it. In fact, I think I use it more than he does. I think you I need did my- buy yourself a camera. Yeah, but don't tell Fred because then it looks like my, the Christmas present I bought him was actually, you know, when people do that, they, oh, I thought you really would like this camera. <laughs> <laughs> but then you well, actually... he'll, he'll see himself as a, such a part of you that you did buy it for, you bought it for, for him, which is you in some ways. Can I just share something which I think is hilarious and it's about presents and it is Christmas presents. Yeah. And, and feminism. Okay. okay. Wow. This is something, and sorry, Fred, when you listen to this, in fact, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't listen to my podcast, so he will never hear this. I can say whatever I like. <clears throat> Shaming my husband. Basically, so Christmas, we, we get each other's stockings and we put silly things in. So for him in his stocking, there were socks, socks that he said, get me these socks um, and some chocolate. Yeah. What else? That's probably it in his stocking. In my stocking, okay, you're ready for this, were rubber gloves. What? I shit you not. Rubber Rubber gloves. Not just one pair, three pairs. Whoa. Was he making a joke? So, in Fred's defense, he bought me rubber gloves so that I could clean out the chicken house. Right, right. That's that's oh. a really useful gift, actually. That's a really useful gift. Yeah, but <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So rubber gloves. And then he also got me socks. But they are socks with his face on it. <gasps> oh my gosh. And they're this really kind of like, they're not nice socks because they're kind of, really um plasticky so I don't think I would wear them because they just feel so synthetic and I need I need socks why get me (laughs) socks I could have just done with a decent like you know five pack from next you know that I'd actually wear (laughs) so rubber gloves and socks with his face on oh oh and then the last thing which really was the icing on the cake he got me a fly swatter (laughs) <laughs> wow <laughs> and I thought I I reflected and a, my main present was lovely and he did he got me like one of those the you know I like the macrame things and I know you're I think yeah. making one. but anyway he got he yeah. got me one um which is wonderful but I did think all of my gifts were for the house <laughs> yeah. to help me with cleaning he said oh I know that you don't like flies so I got your fly swatter, um, <laughs> the socks with his face on, and then a gift for the house. 
and I got him two gifts a wetsuit so he could go surfing in the winter and some really decent welly boots so that he could again go outside in the mud because there's plenty of mud here and whatever so the gifts I got him were to I think enrich his life and like to go outside and do things and the gifts that I got were all to do with the home and I think you're the first person I've told about this (laughs) um (laughs) in this kind of way am I being ungrateful a bit (laughs) I just think like it's interesting that there's been that you know difference I think it's just clear that you believe that your gifts were better okay and that's okay (laughs) yeah do you know what I mean like in a courtroom you would win but would you be happy no, and I love the macrame thing. It does feel when I whenever I look at it, I think I love that. It's nice. And it is a great story. It is a great story. I've got plenty Thank of those. Giving you a fantastic story there. <laughs> and that's him trying to think as like he literally thought, hmm, what doesn't Katie like? Flies. Katie doesn't like flies. I know I'll get her something to deal with that. Like that is enriching your life. in his world (laughs) what would you have preferred to be in the stocking chocolate chocolate and a pack of socks from next yeah just like his stocking basically the exact stocking that you gave him (laughs) (laughs) you know what do you know what i really wanted in that stocking a camera the camera <laughs> i wanted the camera i wanted him to go go to fiji knock down that door and say oi i think you've got a camera that doesn't belong to you <laughs> but that's a real man <laughs> i mean if he could have taken all of us with him so we could have a nice holiday and get the camera and come back that would have been great i think your expectations are realistic and that you <laughs> Like, seriously, have a chat with him about next Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That seems like a perfect point to wrap up this interview. (laughs) Wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) Just making ourselves laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Anna. I love you so much. You are so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I love it. 